It is so good to see you guys. My name is Eddie. I'm one of the pastors here. It is a pleasure to be with you today on this Easter Sunday. He is risen. That's right. We are excited. It is tradition, but it is more than just tradition. We are really celebrating a unique, pivotal, pivotal, pivotal moment in the history of all creation. You know, there are many things that have happened in the world. There are many things that have taken place that are of, of worth in, in history. Things that we write down, things where we memorize the place and the time and the, the circumstance and the individuals involved. But there is no other instance or event in history that is greater than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no other instance in all of creation where the purposes of God lined up for this particular moment. Before the foundations of the world, the Bible says, God was planning this. There was a plan between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to bring about redemption for his people before he even created those people. And so we sit today, and I just want to encourage you to step back from the Easter traditions, the trappings, all the things that might, might dull our senses to the reality that we are remembering, we're stepping into the stream of worship that has been going on since before uh, creation and will go on for the rest of eternity that remembers that God became man. He died a, a horrible death for the sake of his people, but he didn't just stay dead, he rose again. Well, I wanted to welcome our newcomers, but I jumped into my sermon, so hello, everyone who's new. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you're here. Chantilly, thank you guys for coming out. We hope that you're being well-hosted and, and that you've been blessed by, by your time here. If not, then just steal some of your kids' candy, and then, then you'll feel best after that. Um, I want to I consider the hope of the resurrection today. I want, to, I want us to listen to someone who was there firsthand, who was really transformed by the resurrection, transformed by the, the reality of this. This, is not, this was not for Peter. We're going to talk about Peter. This was not for Peter primarily about it, the Easter bunny. This was not something where he was like, okay, Easter's coming, and the first thing that came to his mind was pastels, <laughs> bow ties. Apparently, Royal or uh, Navy Blue is a thing. I don't know. I didn't get the memo, but I just I, I threw my dice and I got lucky today. I guess I don't know. For Peter, the resurrection was a very visceral reality. It was earthy and heavenly, but it was. I mean, it, it's the kind of reality where you look back and you remember blood, sweat, and tears, and then something happening. It wasn't just some sort of uh, marketing event. So I want us to, to hear this as we uh, read what, what Peter has to say. We're going to be reading out of 1 Peter um, chapter 1. You don't have to go there right this very second. I want to think about the guy, Peter, first of all. Peter was a robust, kind of manly fisherman, blue-collar worker, you know, kind of just brass tacks. Give me Give me it how it is. I'm not interested in, in fluff or, or um, theory or ideas. 
I want to pay the bills. I want to fill my nets. I want to eat good food. I mean, you just kind of get the sense that this is the kind of guy he was. He was quick to speak. He was slow to listen. As we find out multiple time, multiple times throughout the, the Gospels, this was a guy, he, he struggled to keep his mouth shut. I relate to him. I, I, I don't know how many times I've gotten into situations where I've said something and my wife was like, you know, like, be quiet, please. You know, he, he was, he was uh, the kind of leader that you'd get in your, your group. I don't know if you, you know, maybe in cor- your corporation or your club. You know, and, and it's the kind of person where you're like, yeah, that guy's a leader. But then the next moment you're like, no. I, we got we to gotta do something about this guy. This is, this is trouble. He, it, it literally, it, it talks about how in one moment, one moment he says, Jesus, you're the son of God. And, and, and Jesus is saying, you're going to get a new name. You know, God has revealed this to you. And the next moment he's saying something. And Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. You know, it's kind of like whiplash for him. Like, I thought it was doing good here. I just got excited and I kept going and I went too far, I guess. Have you ever gone too far? So many times. He gets renamed by Christ. And then he abandons Christ. Jesus, as we, we commemorated and we celebrated the death of Jesus Christ on, on Good Friday, he, he not only fled, but he denied, he denied his savior. I mean, in, in the gospels, we see this picture of Judas and, and Peter, and they're both in, in some ways betrayers, backstabbers. Judas gets paid in money. Peter tries to get paid in, in, in social acceptance. And, and he betrays Jesus. And yet, Jesus rises from the dead. And Peter encounters the risen Lord Jesus. He experiences this, this apex moment in history where everything changes. And he becomes a pillar of the church. He becomes a shepherd of God's flock. And he writes two letters of the New Testament. This is a man who is transformed by the resurrection. And as a side note, the, the resurrection, as we've said many times today, and I want you to hear for your own benefit, this is not just a moment. It's different from other moments in history. Other moments in history don't tend to have arms that reach into the present. They stay in the past. Now, we remember and sometimes we reach back and we, we grab and we, we try to appropriate things from the past and bring them into the present. That's appropriate. But the resurrection comes forward to us today and says, listen to me right now. Hear what I have to say. Are you skeptical of Jesus today? Are you like Peter? Kind of, okay, we're going to wait and see what this guy has to say, what this Jesus fellow has to say. I don't know about all that. Show me where the money is. Show me the money. Show me, show me, give me the reality. I don't want to hear theories. I don't want to hear philosophical um, or ethical arguments. I want to hear the reality. Is that where you are today? Or are are you only partially committed to Jesus? I'm so glad you're here. I'm here. There's no judgment. But if, if if this is 2019's 
first check mark and the second check mark is going to be at Christmas, I have something to say to you. God wants more. God has more. Are you in need of a reminder of the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ? The resurrecting power that, that Paul says that we have by his Holy Spirit. Is your life in a situation, are you are surrounded by circumstances where you're saying, I need resurrection power? Because that's what we have today for us. Jesus will meet you where you are. If you're a skeptic, I'm so glad you're here. Jesus is happy to meet you where you are. If you're half in, half out, Jesus is happy to meet you where you are if you listen. And if you need redemption, resurrecting power right now, Jesus is happy to meet you where you are. Let's look at what Peter has to say. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Now, we have this tradition in Sterling where we stand to read the Word of God and we read it together. Now, for some of you, that's comforting. For some of you, it's not. But we're all going to do it. So if you're not comforted, just look to the person next to you and just kind of... Don't worry, I'm going to probably say like four words wrong. I always do. Uh, so it'll be fine. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are but guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's pray. Father God. I pray that by your spirit, we would get a sense of the power and the hope of resurrection life. That we would get a glimmer and a glimpse of the glory of Jesus Christ. That his glory did not stop in his, his atoning work on the cross, but it continued as he rose from the dead defeating Satan, sin, and death, being vindicated as the Son of God, being called the Son of God, and he ascended to your right hand. Lord, let that be something that is clear to us, not just uh, in our brains, but something that would pierce our hearts. Holy Spirit, give us a sense of the love and the holiness that was required for that to happen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys can be seated. So Peter, as we said, he was transformed by the resurrection. And, and we saw early on in his life, he was kind of a knucklehead. But here, we understand First Peter to be, have been written around in the 60s, 80s, 60s. And he, he was martyred between 65 and 64, or 64 and 65. And so he's not far from death in writing these letters. This, this, is, this is a mature Peter who has consider the, the resurrection. He's considered the power of the, of the gospel. He's considered, he's, he's walked with Christ. And, and he opens up this letter to these individuals who have been dispersed throughout um, Asia Minor. And, and some of them are experiencing persecution, uh, trials. We don't know exactly what kind of trials 
kind of pre-governmental trials by Nero probably. And he starts off by saying, by blessing God. Sorry, let me go there. This is what happens when you forget your Bible on Easter. He says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He opens this letter by saying, Blessed be God. I praise you, God. But not just, not just any God. See, Paul, Peter is very specific about who he's talking about. Blessed be who? The God and Father of who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. If you took anything away from the Bible and today you just, that's the one thing you remembered, you would be okay. Blessed be the God and Father, God, creator, sustainer, maker, <coughs> Father, our Father adopted us, adopted us through Jesus Christ, adopted us through uh, the person and work of God, uh, of Jesus Christ by faith, of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus our Lord, our Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, the king. I mean, that's, that's it. That's the gospel. You got that, you're good to go. You can say that you understand the Bible because that's what the Bible is basically trying to get us to. That is your purpose and my purpose in all of creation is to bless God who has created everything, who sent his son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I was so excited about worship today because I, I was excited to be worshiping with you all, and I was excited about Sunday because it's a moment for us to explicitly do the one thing everything was created to do. You were created with a purpose, and that purpose has layers, and the deepest layer is that you would glorify God and enjoy him forever. We, we praise God. We bless God. God. He opens and he says that. He praises him for his mercy. According to his great mercy, he has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy. That word great mercy, it's the same word that the, the Greek Old Testament, if you were a Greek-speaking uh, Jew or a Greek-speaking believer before the New Testament, you would have been reading this, this version. It's the same word that Moses writes when he talks about Jesus or God saying, I will pass before you and I'll declare my loving kindness, my covenant faithfulness. According to God's great loving kindness, his faithfulness to abide by his covenant promises. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again. To praise God for new life. It's not, this is not behavior modification. You, you don't come to church. I hope you don't come to church for behavior modification. I hope you don't come to church to get tips and tricks to get your kids to act like uh, robots and do exactly what they're supposed to. I, we've all been there. I understand you're waiting for that moment. Like, okay, yes, Pastor Eddie, but seriously, what's the trick? <laughs> no, I get it. And, and, and these, these, these truths believed deeply 
and, and obeyed deeply do result in, in behavior modification, but that's not the point and the purpose. It's new life. The resurrection wasn't, Jesus wasn't less dead. He was alive. You don't need to be less dead. You need to be alive. Before Christ, the Bible says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. If you're here today, you don't trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are dead spiritually. You don't need to be more, less dead. You don't need to be less stinky. You don't need to be less um, dead. (laughs) You don't need to be a zombie. You want to be a clean, alive human. You want to be spiritually alive. We bless God because of in, in his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. He doesn't just cause us to be, you know, clean, healthy, looking dead people. He causes us to be born again. I know it's weird, but it's true. It's not a lifestyle adjustment. He says, praise God. And I love the fact that the Bible is so... We we talked about it. I think Pastor Jermaine mentioned it. You know, Jesus didn't have to die for him to be worthy of praise. God doesn't have to do things to be worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise because he's God, right? As your parents said, you obey me because I'm your parent. I I don't have to give you a why, you just do it, right? When when God says jump, we say, yes, how high? Because he's God. And yet, God in his gracious mercy, he gives us reasons. He doesn't just say, you better listen. He, He treats us like I would treat my daughter when she says, you know, daddy, why? I get down on my knees sometimes. Sometimes I just tell her because. (laughs) And I look at her in the eyes and I try to explain to her in a way that would help her to have the motivation to obey. Because I love her. Because I'm tenderhearted toward her. And and God loves you. And he's tenderhearted toward you. And so he gives three reasons why we ought to worship and praise God. First of all, we have a living hope through this resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we, were, if we look at verse 3 again, it says, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to what? To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope because of the resurrection. If Jesus had just died, as Paul would say, We are just foolish to be attending church and worshiping God. Everything, the resurrection is, it's the point, right? You go to a birthday party and there's no cake, it's not a birthday party. The cake is the point, right? You go to Easter, there's no ham, it is Easter, that's a bad example. Jesus is the point. Duly noted for the next service. Uh, The party, the Easter party, is not a party without the ham. Oh, boy. I appreciate that. Right? We have, the resurrection is the point. And because of that, we have a living hope. There's only, and there's only one living hope at the end of the day. 
I want you to step back and think about the things that you hope in. Some of the things we hope in are, are kind of silly, like cake. We kind of, you know, we, we joke about that. We, we want to see some concert. I, you know, I, I just, I want to see, my bucket list is to see so-and-so in concert. My bucket list is to go see the Grand Canyon. My bucket list, you know, these things that bring us hope. I just, I just want some grandbabies. Just give me some grandbabies. You know, this is my only hope. You know, I, I, I want to get, or it can be more serious. I want to be healed is my only hope. I, I want my job to get better is my only hope. I don't want to be single. It's my only hope. Whatever, whatever the thing is, these are all temporary things. Your grandchildren, you can only enjoy them for a period and then, you know, you're going to get to a certain age where we're going to stop being. You go to be with Jesus, not be with your grandbabies. If, if, it's, if it's the event... The concert, the, the activity, once the activity is over, what's, what's the hope? It's over, it's done, it's ended. And ultimately, at the end of the day, all of these things, I'm making all these examples, but we are going to die. You and I are going to die. And that's when all of those hopes will be over, except the hope in Jesus Christ. Because it's a living hope. What is your hope today? What is your hope today? If you're standing over here and you're, this is my skeptical place. I'm just going to go back over here. If you're this guy or girl or gal or woman and you're skeptical, again, no judgment, but where is your ultimate hope? Is it in your own ability to make life matter, to make life have meaning, to make, make life count? If you're in, half in, half out, where is your hope? Is your hope in, in Christ who you trust some of the time? Or is your hope in this other stuff that you're trusting in? Your money, your ability to, to make a living, your family, whatever else is kind of causing you to, to vacillate between the two. And if you're struggling because you need Jesus, Jesus is your hope. Jesus is your hope. You hold on to Jesus and you hold on to him some more. Our hope is a living hope because our Lord is a resurrected Lord. I'll say that again. Our hope is a living hope because our Lord is not a dead Lord. He's not a memory. He's not someone we commemorate. He is a risen, re resurrected, presently reigning, ruling Savior. Yeah. <clears throat> Your hope, my hope, is in the risen Jesus Christ. Peter goes on to explain what this hope looks like. Let's go to verse 4. He's caused, I'm going to go back. Uh, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to an inheritance that is imperishable, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Not only does Peter describe our hope as something that we can look forward to, but it, he describes it as this inheritance that's presently being protected for you and me. Now, for those of you who don't know, I was, uh, as a child, a big fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. If you've been at Sterling for long enough, you know that. If you don't know what the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are because you're, for whatever reason, they are teenage mutant ninja turtles, which if you say it slowly, it still is awesome. I, I want to shake the hand of the guy who thought that up. And I was a big fan of these guys when I was a kid. 
to the point that I had this uh, twin-size bed, and I had the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sheets. They were polyester, but they had all four characters. You know, Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael, Leonardo. Just in case you didn't remember. And I had the, the, the comforter and the, the pillowcase. And uh, my, my sister actually gave me the pillowcase recently. I don't know why she still had it. It's okay. I'm not going to ask. But my son has, has been using it, and that was, that's kind of neat. Um, and, and I picked it up, and it is disgusting. I mean, it's pilled up. It's fading. I, I don't even want to really describe it to you. It's shameful. But it was my treasure. I mean, it was, and you know as a kid, you know. You got your kids, and you're like, that thing is disgusting. And they're like, it's my treasure. Don't take it away from me. But now I see, see it for what it is. It's passing. It's fading. Wow. It's, it's, perish, it's very perishable. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not pure. It's, it's not beautiful. And I joke, but anything that we have in creation, it's perishable. Because of the fall, it's not pure. And, and ultimately, there will be a day where we will look at it and say, that is not beautiful. Your favorite car, your, your antique bookcase, side table, your great-grandmother's necklace, there will be a day when these things will be dust. But our, our inheritance in heaven, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's, it's imperishable. It's eternal. It's undefiled. It's pure. It's unfading. It's beautiful. It's, it's so beautiful that, that Peter doesn't even have the words to describe it. Paul struggles as well. When they talk about inheritance, they say, you know, it's going to be eternal life, and then it's going to be like, awesome. And, and John, when he's seeing visions in Revelation, he's talking about streets of gold and like sapphire and all this crazy stuff. And we're like, what's all that stuff mean? And the big point that you need to walk away from it is that it's awesome. It's glorious. It's beyond our comprehension. Because of the resurrection, you have a hope that that is manifest in this kind of treasure that God gives us, though we don't deserve it. Right? We're the kids who got out of the principal's office after being told that we were expelled, and then someone comes in and gives us a good record and says, you know what, let's go to the party. And you're like, okay. And they're giving out rewards. Hey, good job, buddy. You came to the party. I'm like, I get rewards for coming to the party? You're coming to the party. In Christ, you're coming to the party. There's nothing on earth that compares to the glorious inheritance that God has secured for us. Our inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, because our Lord, our resurrected King, our ruling, reigning Savior is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Your inheritance is what it is because Christ is who he is. That's true of your treasure, too. If you don't worship Christ, your your existence is as unperishable, as unfading, as pure, as is whatever it is you worship. 
If you worship Christ, that's amazing. If you don't worship Christ, that's a problem. Our, our inheritance is Jesus, and it is in Jesus. And then he goes on to talk about the ultimate reason that we ought to praise God, that we ought to worship him. We have an ultimate salvation through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 5 with me. He talks about we have this inheritance that's kept in heaven for you, and he says, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for, for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Now, Peter talks about salvation differently than you might think about salvation. The Bible, when it talks about salvation, it doesn't always talk in these technical terms of saying salvation equals trust and faith in Jesus Christ in this one particular moment. That's justification. But Peter's talking about this far off salvation that we will one day experience. What he's talking about is the fruit of our sanctification, the fruit of being walking with Christ and coming to the point where the payoff is complete. And he says, you're going to be guarded by faith. Just like your inheritance, again, what you worship, what you are, you're going to be guarded by faith, by faith in Jesus Christ. But as you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as you look on to the resurrection for power, as you consider Jesus as the one to whom you owe your life and the one who you obey, as you do these things, your life is guarded for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. There's going to be a day, we don't talk about this that much, there's going to be a day where God is going to judge everyone, myself included. And by that, he, I mean that he's going to select those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, trusted in God, and they're going to go to be with him. And there are going to be those who have not trusted in God, and they're not going to go to be with him. And they're going to go to a place of, of judgment and condemnation and suffering. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say that to be edgy. I say that because that's true. And our hope in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ will be confirmed on that day of judgment when we receive our salvation. When God looks to us and says, come over here, my beloved servant. We can trust this salvation will be revealed. In other words, we can trust that this salvation will come to us because our Lord has come to us, not as dead and defeated, but as resurrected and reigning. Anyone who trusts in Jesus Christ is not going to look stupid at the end. You're not going to look foolish. You're not going to be caught off guard. You're going to be vindicated. There's going to be a day, friends and family, where God is going to vindicate his word, where he's going to say, I've said these things, I sent my prophets, I sent my son, and I gave you some chances, one after one after one after one. And he's going to say, and now I'm going to prove it. And in this moment, as we celebrate Easter, I'm pleading with you, 
hear him. Hear, hear him. If you're over here and you're like, I, don't, I just don't know. I just don't know. He's given us so many opportunities. He's given us the word, which has 66 books of the Bible. It has testimony after testimony after testimony of God's love, his loving kindness, his faithfulness, his power, his, his justice. He's going to come and he's going to vindicate. And as, as the word says, don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts in the moment that you, that, that you hear. Your salvation, your deliverance from guilt, from the penalty of sin, from the wrath of God is in our risen Savior. Now, if we step back and we hear these things, that we have, we have a hope, a present hope, we have a real, not just a, a fake, uh, a transient, um, vaporous hope, but a real, rooted, strong, eternal hope. We've got an inheritance that we don't even deserve. We didn't do anything for. I mean, that's the nature of an inheritance. It's glorious. It's unfading. It's, it's pure. It's eternal. And that one day, one day, you and I will see Jesus. And if we're trusting in him, he will look at us and smile and then we will worship forever. If you hear these things, then you'll worship God. You'll praise God. That's what, that's what Peter wants to open this letter with. That's the kind of praise that he's calling us to. The praise that looks at the resurrection of Jesus Christ and says, praise the Lord. Pray. You did it. You, you did it, God. Where is your hope today? Where is your hope today? The reality is Christ is risen. There is only one hope. There's only one living hope. Your only, your only inheritance that will last, the only inheritance that will extend into eternity, the only inheritance that will outlast this creation is the one that's offered to us in the resurrection and the person of Jesus Christ. There is a coming day where God will offer his salvation to the people who have looked on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and trusted in his son trusted in Jesus. There is a day coming when the salvation that we're working out now in fear and trembling, the salvation that, that first started when we trusted in Jesus Christ, the salvation that we, we fight for and we trust in God for will be confirmed when, when we see our Savior and he looks at us with love and happiness and joy and says, you did it. There'll be a day where we are given that salvation. Will you be in that line? Will you be in that line? Let's pray. Father God, we bless you. We bless you because of your, your resurrected son, 
the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins in our place, defeating Satan's sin and death, and was vindicated, was proven right, was proven and called the Son of God by his resurrection, by your resurrection power. Lord God, I pray that you would work on the hearts of those here, that people would respond by faith in you, by trusting in you, by turning away from the other things that they'd hope from, hope in, turning away from the, all the sin that they know of, the things that they've done to, to disobey God, to disobey you, and they would turn to Jesus as their Savior, as their Lord, as their King, as their ruler. If you're in this place and, and you want to put your trust in this God, you want to put your trust in Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray. Great. Once that's hands up, you can put it back down. Pray this with me. Father, I, I confess that I have sinned against you. In other words, I have broken your rules, your laws. I am worthy of death. But I, I turn to your son, Jesus Christ, and I trust in his finished work the work that was finished on the cross and was vindicated in his resurrection to be my salvation. And I ask you, please, to come help me to live this life of faith, a life of hope, a life filled with an inheritance, and a life that will be vindicated in final salvation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.